Hi everyone, Pastor Tyler here. Welcome to Grace Covenant Church Online. Thank you for watching this sermon. And I have a question to begin our time together. And that question is, as a kid, did you have any bedtime routines? Raise your hand if you had any bedtime routines as a kid. I did. One of the things that I did with my mother before I went to bed as a kid is we together read The Little Red Caboose, which is a really awesome children's book that I hope to get to read to my kids someday. Another thing that my mother and I did before she tucked me into bed is we said this prayer, which I want to recite to you right now. And the prayer is this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. That is the Lord's Prayer. That is the prayer that we are going to be looking at in Luke chapter 11 this week. Not only is it in Luke chapter 11, it's also found in Matthew chapter 6. And I grew up reciting that prayer, memorizing that prayer, but I never really took a deep dive into what each of the phrases in that prayer means. So today, I want to be able to do that with all of us together, is really look into the specific phrases that the Lord taught us to pray, and what do they mean for us now in this season? Because I believe with all that is happening in this world, this prayer is a prayer for such a time as this. This week, uh, we reached the 100,000 death mark of COVID-19 deaths, a tragedy. And many of us are, are scared or frightened that our loved ones with pre-existing conditions or our loved ones in nursing homes or our loved ones in minority communities or our, or our loved ones who don't have health insurance might contract COVID-19. This week, we also learned that the unemployment rate might reach 20% or higher. And for those of you that are unemployed or underemployed, we are with you. It is hard in this season for so many who have lost their jobs and who are looking for work. This week in Minneapolis, Minnesota, my home state, George Floyd died in police custody. And there are riots and protests in Minneapolis. And we stand with our brothers and sisters in the African-American community. In Grand Forks, North Dakota, shortly after that incident in Minneapolis, a police officer was killed in the line of duty and we stand with police officers and their families in this time as well. There is a lot of hurt, there is a lot of pain to go around. And what I love about the Lord's Prayer 
is that it directs us back to the heart of God. And this prayer prayed by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself also flows out of the mission that Jesus had when he was alive on this earth and the mission that he has for us as followers of Christ, as the church, as the body of Christ in this time. So before I dig into this prayer, let me pray the Lord's Prayer over all of us, over all of your pain, over all of your suffering. And then let us dig into Scripture. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory forever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the forevers, then amen. And some of you hearing me recite the Lord's Prayer are thinking, Tyler, I didn't quite learn it that way. You say trespasses, I said sins or debts. And that's because we probably grew up in different denominational traditions. Different denominations use different words, especially in that phrasing, trespasses, sins, or debts. But the Lord's Prayer that, that we recite today, minus those little nuances, comes from the King James Version of Matthew 6. And Luke 11 also has in it the Lord's Prayer, but a slightly condensed version of the one we find in Matthew 6. And as we go over the Lord's Prayer line by line, I'm actually going to use the fuller version of the Lord's Prayer that is found in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. So let us begin our exploration of the prayer line by line. The first part of this prayer is, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, Jesus is a Jew, teaching this prayers to his disciples who are also Jews. Our Father hearkens back to the days of the Exodus, the days when Israel was enslaved by Egypt and, and God, Yahweh, brought them out of their captivity, brought them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness into the promised land. They saw God as their father. They saw God as their protector. And hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means sacred, means holy. The name Yahweh, the name of God is holy and sacred. And we look with reverence upon that name. Yet what is so amazing about this prayer is that we human beings made in the image of God actually get to communicate with God as a father. We get to talk to him one-on-one -on -one as we as children got to talk to our own father or our own mother. We get to have that intimate relationship with him. 
And N.T. Wright, who is a New Testament scholar, writes this. The idea of God as Father goes right back to the time when Israel was in slavery and needed rescuing. Israel is my son, my firstborn, declared God to Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron. So let my people go. From then on, to call God as Father was to invoke the God of the Exodus, the liberating God, the God whose kingdom was coming, bringing bread for the hungry, forgiveness for the sinner, and deliverance from the powers of darkness. Jesus taught this prayer to disciples who were looking back at the God, the Father of the Exodus, and Jesus is teaching this prayer to us, looking at the God and Father of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who through his death and resurrection has released us from captivity of sin, from captivity of pride, from captivity of the darkness of this world into the light of God's kingdom. God is the father, not just of Israel, but the father of all people. So when you pray that prayer, when you pray the Lord's prayer, have reverence and intimacy with God, the father. The next line in, in the Lord's prayer is your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not our will be done. It's not our government's will be done. It's not our community's will be done. And it's not our kingdom coming. It's not our nation's government coming. It's God's kingdom coming. And Jesus in his mission and in his ministry gives us a glimpse of what that kingdom is like at the very beginning of his ministry. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus, in the temple courts, unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And he says this in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The kingdom of God is not just some future reality. The kingdom of God is something that Christ inaugurated. And the kingdom of God is something in the Lord's prayer that we ask God to bring here and now. And we are co-laborers with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, to bring that kingdom here to earth. And we have a job, which was Christ's mission, Christ's example for us, to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free. And you may be thinking right now, as I was thinking, as I was thinking of your kingdom come, your will be done. That means that I have to go out and set other people free. I have to go out and release others from oppression. And yes, that is true in, in inaugurating God's kingdom here on earth. We have to do that. But maybe, just maybe, we need to also look inside of ourselves. 
are we oppressed by sin, Satan, temptation? Are we unhealthy? Are we not truly free because of our own pride, because of our own selfishness, because of our own sin? Are we the ones in captivity? And if we are followers of Christ in captivity to our own will and to our own kingdom, we will not be able to usher in the kingdom of God here and now. We will not be able to prepare Christ's kingdom as it will find its fulfillment as Revelation 21, 1 through 4 says. And this is John writing of a vision that he saw. And in Revelation 21, 1 through 4, he writes this of God's ultimate fulfillment of his kingdom. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That is what we are working towards. That is our mission. That is our goal. God's kingdom come, God dwelling with us for all of eternity. The next line in the Lord's Prayer is, give us this day our daily bread. As we look at God as Father, as we look at his kingdom being proclaimed and ushered in in this world, we also understand that God is a God who provides. God is a God who provides both relationship and provision for us. By relationship, I mean God provides us with himself, provides us with the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us, to fill our hearts. Because each one of us inside has a longing that no other human can fulfill. And that longing is only fulfilled by God giving us his daily bread, his bread of life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And yes, God also gives us daily provision. He doesn't give us more than we need because sometimes we use that for our own kingdom instead of his kingdom. But he gives us what we need. Jesus describes this a little better later on in Luke 11, starting in verse 11 of Luke 11. He says, talking to fathers, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to, if then, though you who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? We 
as friends, as fathers, want to give good gifts to those we love. How much greater a gift does God want to give us through the power of the Holy Spirit if we ask? And that greatest gift is eternal life. That greatest gift is freedom from injustice, freedom from captivity, freedom from mourning, freedom from suffering. That greatest gift is to be able to be with God for all of eternity. We give good gifts to those we love. God loves us more than anything we could imagine. God's love is a million times greater than our love. And his gift is a million times greater than any gift we can give to another person and any gift we can receive from another person. The next line is forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And that is in looking at the previous lines of this prayer. God is our Father. Hallowed be his name. His kingdom come. Give us our daily bread. All of that emanates from the Father. All of that comes from God. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We have received it and accepted all of that as a gracious gift. So forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others is on our part a posture of humility, a posture of gratefulness for God the Father. Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray this prayer, paid for our sins, paid for our depravity on the cross. He took his life and bore our punishment so that we would give, get grace. And if we get such grace, will we not, as the prayer says, give that grace to others? We have been forgiven much. Will we, as the prayer says, forgive others? And our posture and attitude, as it aligns more and more to the heart of God, will align more and more to loving and being gracious and being forgiving towards our neighbors. Lead us not into temptation. As we forgive one another and as we receive forgiveness from God, we recognize that our battles aren't against one another, but against Satan. The greatest tool of the enemy is to provoke people to anger, rage, and division. The greatest tool of Satan is to divide the flock and pick us off one by one. Satan, get behind the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, and know your place. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. In this age of sorrow, of suffering, of injustice, of death, of virus, 
This may be the most important line of this prayer. Satan is going to use every tool in his toolbox, especially for those of us who are trying to follow Christ because he wants us to start building our own kingdoms. He wants us to start doing our wills and stop caring about God's people, God's kingdom, and God's will. He is going to attack, and I firmly believe that he is attacking in this time. That is why everyone is so on edge. Will we resist him in the power of the Holy Spirit and know that God, not Satan, is in control. Know that unity and not division is God's ultimate purpose. Know that peace and love and justice and righteousness are the character traits of the God we follow. God, will you deliver us from the temptation that Satan so easily weaves in our hearts? Will you deliver us from the evil one? And may it be your reign, your love, your justice, your Holy Spirit that guides us, not our own selfish desires, not our own kingdom, not our own interest groups, and not even our own politics. May it be you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And as this prayer closes, the Lord's prayer closes, it ends with another praising of God. To him, be the kingdom, to him be the power, to him be the glory forever and ever. And now from this prayer, I want to just give us quickly some practical prayer methods. And this is from a book called Transforming Prayer by Daniel Henderson. And we can use this and the Lord's Prayer as our example as we go through this method of praying, but we can use this method that he sets out for so many other pieces of scripture. So there are four things that are part of this method, four motions, as I want to call them. And again, this is from Daniel Henderson and his book called Transforming Prayer. The first motion, as we see in the Lord's Prayer, is an upward motion of reverence towards God. Hallowed be your name. The next motion is downward, a response. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And Daniel Henderson writes this. This response to God's character in prayer involves yielding control to the Holy Spirit and recommitting ourselves to God's kingdom purposes. So in knowing God is Father, and knowing He is holy, and knowing He is good, and knowing He is just, our response is to try to align ourselves, align our lives, align our mission to His kingdom, to His mission. 
as exemplified in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then after the downward motion comes the inward motion of us giving our request to God, us lamenting to God, us asking for daily bread, us asking for the forgiveness of sins. We pray about both resources and relationships because we need both. We pray about forgiveness of sins. We pray about the relationships that we have with one another in our community and in our world. And we also pray for provisions of daily bread, for provisions of healing. And God, who is a good father, wants to give us good gifts, his good gifts, not necessarily what we think are good gifts. And then lastly, so we have upward reverence, downward response, inward request, outward readiness. And this is the do not lead us into temptation. We pray earnestly that God would prepare us for the work that is ahead through his Holy Spirit, protect us from the schemes of the devil through his Holy Spirit, lock Satan in hell, burning for all of eternity so that his reign is no longer in this world. We recognize our need in praying for readiness, that we need God's help in battling that which ensnares us, sin, temptation, and evil. And Daniel Henderson has this great quote. We are called to be praying menaces to the devil. Prayer is not an escape from the battles of life, but a great equipping to fight them in supernatural power. I love that phrase. We are to be praying menaces to the devil. Not praying menaces to our spouse, not praying menaces to our friends, not just normal menaces that I sometimes am in my everyday life. We are to be praying menaces to Satan, to the devil, to the one who wants to thwart God's plan so that instead of his kingdom, instead of our kingdom, God's kingdom will reign here on earth. Will you join me, friends, brothers and sisters? Will you join me in being praying menaces against the devil's schemes, against division, against strife, against injustice, against poverty against all of the tools and all of the things that divide us rather than unite us. Will you pray with me against evil and for God's good and for God's kingdom? And finally, Daniel Henderson notes that after we get through those four steps, we go back upward to reverence and thankfulness of God. For thine is the kingdom, for thine is the power, and for thine is the glory forever and ever. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of feeling like we have no control, in the midst that we, where we feel like Satan is using all of his tools and all of his weapons and his demons are, are confronting us day after day and attacking us day after day. Do we still believe that God is 
in control, that God will be victorious, that nothing can separate us, no scheme of man or Satan from his will, his kingdom being done. And that is why we end the prayer in celebration, in reverence of the God who brought Israel out of captivity in Egypt and the God who through Jesus Christ brings us out of our captivity of sin, out of our captivity of pride, out of our captivity of being unjust to our neighbors and unloving to our world and our community. Will we celebrate that God? Because that's the God who brings health. That's the God who brings freedom. That's the God who brings justice. And that's the God that we, you, and I get to spend eternity with. This prayer, the Lord's Prayer, should bring us back to his heart and bring us back to his mission and be a light in the darkness of our pain. I want to pray this prayer over us once again as we end. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hold on to this prayer this week, my friends. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and go in peace to be united for the kingdom of God and for love of God's people. God bless.